This is a CBC Podcast. Hey, I'm Claire Bonnyman, and welcome to The Loop. The back-to-school season is upon us, and Min, um, you're in the thick of it as a Ugh. dad. So what's happening in your house right now? Well, it's it's just like so many things coming <laughs> at you at, at one time. So we are, uh, yeah, the week before, uh, you know, it all starts. And um, so for us, uh, two kids, 12 and 15, each going to new schools, oh. junior high and oh. high school, which is going to require rides and buses. Oh, so uh, we will be uh, testing out the uh, new bus system, That's the new exciting. bus route. Yeah, it'll be kind of fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. getting up and uh, trying to you know hit that bus at the time they're supposed to, and then coming back in the afternoon, <laughs> seeing like which bus to the take, which transfer to do. The rush of yeah. running to a bus that you know you're gonna miss. Oh yeah, that is a classic childhood experience. It is. <laughs> yeah, you you haven't you haven't lived if you haven't done that. No, <laughs> get your cardio in meter first thing. To the bus but stop. I mean, with back to school and also just in general, right? So many people are going back to the office yeah. despite the growing COVID rates in the right. province. I want to talk about lunches because a lot of people are pulling yeah. out Tupperware for the first time yeah. in a really long time. And um, Min, I think your life is about to be lunches. Am yes. I right? Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like um, I get that reprieve when the summer hits and there's no <laughs> more waking up. You know, usually, I mean, uh, a responsible dad would make the lunches the night before. And so I try to do that, but uh, we all lead busy lives. So sometimes it's not possible. So for me, it's kind of like this science uh, of making the lunch for, you know, my my wife and the kids and uh, I've got it down to like I need 13 to 15 minutes minimum otherwise it's not getting done so I mean if I'm if I sleep in it's like out of the bed like a rocket downstairs get everything out cutting board boom go salad couple of sandwiches done I, I do love this idea of dad mode bin but we should clarify that like your kids <laughs> your kids are capable of cooking absolutely they are but <laughs> yeah. this is kind of like one of those things when when they were young I was I was tasked with doing this and now it's kind of like hey hey no 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 that's on you that's your gig you got to do that like unless you want to trade for like dusting or cleaning the appliances oh, or what you know what I mean like it's all teamwork makes a dream work but uh <laughs> I, I can't. Yeah, it's kind of like I've. It's this unwritten contract that I am the lunch maker in the Darwall house. I think it's BS. I need to talk to my agent and like get a re, you know renegotiation say, on this yeah, contract. Yeah, how do your people deal with this? Because this is. A, but uh, a I'm dealing with some very very stubborn people here, so hopefully they're not listening. <laughs> but I mean, you also I think you've honed a strategy, right? And, yeah. and that's something that we think about with lunches. You kind of get used to it. It's a pattern. It's a routine. Yeah. Like mine is all leftovers. You've got a right. strategy of your own. Yeah, I mean it's uh, you know. So, um, Mrs. D is pretty easy. She likes the chicken salad. So that's, you know, bingo bongo. It's Boom. done. Yeah. yeah. And the kids are all about their sandwiches. But I noticed that they're they're open to different things, right? Yeah. I mean, sandwiches get boring. Like, come on. And all that bread. There are a couple of soccer players. They're all t- thinking about carbs all the time now. But as kids, they need that energy. So, yeah. um, but I think, yeah, you have to think outside the box. I, I mean, you know, go on Instagram and I, I bet you if you typed in school lunches, yeah. you'd have a hundred different uh, options. So I think maybe I'm going to try and venture into that a little this year. Well, to bring us outside the bento box, um, I yes. got us some help. Min, because uh, I brought an expert in in food and lunch okay. to break us out of our ruts. Are you ready? I am absolutely ready. I'm ready to take notes. Chef Doreen Pry is well known here in Edmonton. She's a mom of two, aged 11 and 7, and is also a regular columnist on Radioactive. And Min, I, I brought her here to help us talk lunches over the phone, of course. Hey, Doreen. Hey there, Claire. How is it going? It's going good. Not as good as you. I hear you're actually on vacation with your kiddos right now, right? 
That's true, but I'm heading back today, so it's all good. So back to life. Vacation. Food is always vacation for me. <laughs> I, I have food all the time, so it's not really anything that disturbs my daily routine. That's perfect. Well, I, we're glad because we need help. I mean, we yeah. were talking about lunches. Min has kind of a strategy. I just constantly eat leftovers. But uh, right. what are the factors that you think make for a really good brown bag lunch? You know, it really depends on what your kid likes to eat uh, or you like to eat. I, I think the the strategy of using leftovers is perfect. You know, uh, lots of people um, have problems already uh, navigating through a whole weekend with food and what they do for the whole week. Mm. It's like, oh, my gosh. So I always thought about a, writing a cookbook, actually, that's based off leftovers, right? What to do with the I leftover. Yeah. <laughs> Min's eyes are really yeah. wide right I, now. I, totally, I can already I see totally it. totally go for it. <laughs> I already like see the cover, Doreen. <laughs> so if you have, let's say, if you have a grilled chicken, for example, Right, so for me, having a beautiful like little butter leaves um, in 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 the lunchbox, for example, so and and you deconstruct this, of course, right, and then you have some vermicelli rice noodles. You oh. do a little dip, like with some soy sauce, a little mayo. Ooh. You put a couple like uh, roasted vegetables in there, for example, and then you build your own little um, salad roll. Or if you like a rice roll, you know you can do the same thing with it. So you just build up all of those things, and it's it's really nice and. For me, too, with like sandwiches, sometimes, you know, go to a nice bakery, get some sliced bread, have that, let's say, in your in, um, in the lunchbox or like on, on site at your workplace and then have some different spots going. Like, for example, uh, with ricotta cheese, yeah, you add a little bit of lemon zest in there and then you have, again, you can put all your leftovers on that sandwich, too, oh. some fresh arugula or, you know, if your stuff goes off in the fridge, like kale, for example, put that kale on the barbecue, turn it into a pesto with some pumpkin seeds. Oh my goodness. Put that as a, as a spread on your, your sandwich so you kind of bury this up. And then again, you can even still add your ham and cheese on it or just like a nice brie cheese or you make a little jam and have that and you kind of eat it as you go. I love how your brain works. Oh my goodness. <laughs> if I started doing that, during my kids would come back and they'd look at me and they'd say, what did you do with our dad and where is he? Yeah, yeah where is he? Yeah. What's he what is he doing? Because who is yeah? this making these kinds of lunches? Because this is the other aspect, right? Is it's like kids and lunches and, and during you got two kiddos of your own. What do they think yes. makes a great packed meal? Like what is a perfect lunch for them? Oh my God. You know what they are having? I, I travel with an induction burner because my kids <laughs> are very bad eaters. So, and I, <laughs> you know what? I And I also like to cook myself i like to do my own little thing if i could i would bring my little grill as well um so i brought my induction burner and then i cook their favorite meals here you know um and and that really works and it also takes my stress away because then i can make them a little breakfast yeah. in bed and i can have my coffee you know so this is really really easy but honestly my kids they are happy with just cold pizza you know i don't have to really think about it a lot and then i have these we call this little schnecksies and this is, you know, some, some kids, they, Adeline, for example, she likes her little vanilla yogurt, so she mixes this up beforehand, so she mm. adds some vanilla, some honey in her yogurt. So, and, and yeah, I think good. a good strategy for kids, too, is if they like things like sushi, you get like a nori leaf and cook some sushi rice and then get them their favorite ingredients, right? If your kid likes 
tuna, for example. Mix a little cream cheese in it and put a little sushi tuna roll in there. A little a fresh a cucumber idea. strips or some avocado. And I'm that's easy to eat too, right? <laughs> Min easy. is literally writing this down. <laughs> we listen to this segment over and over and over again. And then, cream and cheese then you and keep tuna. going with it. Or again, you make a little avocado puree or something, whatever they like. Or you have some squash left over from the weekend. Put a little bit of squash in there. Just marinate it with a little soy sauce or whatever. And then make little sushi rolls. Just take simple stuff you can do. It doesn't overload your weekend. And, and get them get them doing this with you. Can I pay you, know, you to um, make lunches for a week? Like maybe one week out of the month? No, no, no. <laughs> just, just, just like a Dropbox. Just yeah, put your lunch it, absolutely. on my porch on Sunday morning. You transfer, I'll come night. by, pick them up, and But there, there, is, there is something you could do for Min, which is help him out. Because Min has mm. a particular issue with lunches. Oh, well, really? I, yeah. You know what? I think I've just kind of... <laughs> Turned it into a, you know, okay, I mean, my wife likes chicken Caesar salad, and that's it. I mean, okay. she's she's pretty easy. She doesn't mind. And then, But the kids, I right. think they've got bored with the sandwiches, right? So I, exactly. I think it's thinking outside the box, really, right? But oh, I, for sure. I, I mean, the one thing I was going to ask you, though, what about the challenge of trying to get kids to make their own lunches, right? I think that's a, that's something that all parents face. Uh, but, yeah, trying to get them to... to to you know, use to their get own a little brains. bit more involved. Yeah. yeah, no, absolutely. This is yeah. You know what? Uh, it starts with taking them shopping. Like mm. I take my kids shopping and say, "What do you want? Like, show me what you want because I know what I like." Smart. And then they start picking things out. Uh, I mean, I I like going to the farmers markets as well. You know, getting them involved into the farmers that grow their food. Mm. There is a certain um, like pride coming along there too, yeah. that they really embrace that whole farmer perspective, the economy. I mean, your kids are in a great age to understand all of that with climate change right. as well so and then they are doing the right thing so I, I mean it just depends on how you are going to uh, parenting them in that way and mm-hmm. you know so my kids for example they know that I shop local or organic and you know they already have that idea they don't want to waste any food they know it's climate change and, and they are trying their very best to to kind of eat that way as well right. you know and I take them to the bakery and they choose the cheese they like, you know, so and if we do this for a little bit, that's fine. And then again, you can also make nice little soups if you have these thermos um, containers. That's a good idea too, soups. You know, that's, that's yeah, that's just great. It's you know? never ending. So this I, is great. It's never ending story with the food. <laughs> <laughs> Doreen, is there something that makes the worst lunch? Like, is there something mm. that you hate to think of? Egg salad. Being shoved oh, in a tub. egg salad's got to be up there. I mean, I love egg <laughs> salad, but man, how's that going to sit for four hours? Oh, I, no I know. I that. think about that too. It's like in general mm. salads, right? Yeah, like when they yeah. fall apart. But then if you put the dressing on the side yes. and pour it over, it's a whole different ball. That is key. Yeah. Right. So, um, but again, like certain things, they also gross me out by just thinking about them. So it's like, oh like man. Oh, oh, now I'm curious. Oh, <laughs> if I think if I think about a whole container of Brussels sprouts oh. that been fried the night before, I would be done. Yeah. I would not touch that lunchbox at the, all. Yeah, there's no kid who's going to eat that. <laughs> no, no, there is no way. Yeah. You know, and and sometimes, like I said, uh, yeah, I hear you with the naan bread and all the restrictions. You know, they they stopped using microwaves in their classrooms. Mm-hmm. We had a big, better variety of sending kids to school with something cold. And they heated up, right? And they had their little, they right. had their little flow in the classrooms. But now. We have to rethink this whole situation. So that's why I, I recommend buying a thermos um, to go. And then, yeah, you can try this out. I, I tried out some pasta dishes and let them sit yeah. overnight and see how they are turning out in the morning. And it's not bad. 
mm-hmm. um, you just buy something that is a little bit more forgiving. Yeah, I've actually right? tried that with the, the thermos, like even like a fancy craft dinner, you know, throw some other things yeah. in there, whether it be exactly. Absolutely. any type of chicken or meat. Yeah, exactly. And a, and a soup again, right? Or like a chili, like you said, yeah. that's perfect, especially if we are moving into Winter the fall time. now. And absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, something they really like to do and let them choose, give them control over that, and then you will be, uh, I think, a little bit happier that way. You you make a great point, though, of including them in the process of getting stuff, because I noticed that even with the with the kids, even like, you know, we'll have a pizza night and we'll make the pizza with the dough and, and, and you know, uh, roll it out and everything like that, and they love it, right? Because they get to exactly. put whatever they want on it, and then they're going to eat it because they I made love it. I love making it. <laughs> yeah. I am the kid yes. that I'm making the lunches yeah. for, and DIY and, pizza nights are great. And here's my cheat, here's my cheat for doing that pizza. You know, at the Italian Center, they have those pre made uh, yes. balls of uh, dough and you so, just grab yeah. them, you throw them in the freezer, you know, you can thaw them out and yeah, at the end totally. of the day, it's easy to make them, yeah. yeah. And I, I would think, Doreen, I mean, it's not, you know, cooking different dishes, it's not foolproof, but nowadays, like even just with Instagram, type it in and, and all of a sudden yeah. you have like 20 recipes show up and Yeah, and honestly, hard. you know, I, I, I have, I have uh, friends who invite me over and say, can you just please cook for us? Or, you know, I have friends say, cool. They kind of book me online to, and then, you know, my wife works so much. Can you teach my kids a three course meal? They can cook for us tonight. And, you know, I taught like six, six to 12 year olds on, on, like on Zoom. And, you know, having that experience is kind of sweet. And, you know, they got really into it. And they also disappear. And I say, hey, guys, your chocolate is burning. Where did you go? <laughs> yeah. And then they wander in there with their phone. I said, phone down, let's go, you know. It's, it's, you know, these kind of things. And you have a lot of opportunity. Like you said, you know, you can all watch a YouTube video or all these interesting, like, cooking yeah. shows and say, oh, you know, let's do this together. Let's try to make this dish tonight or, you know, all, all this kind of stuff. So there's a lot of things you can do. And really for those kids, it's that first step towards independence, right? I mean, unless you Absolutely. let them try to make that stuff, they're never going to be comfortable on a stove or with the gas totally. or making things or, you know, making mistakes and learning from it. I mean, that's it's all trial, trial and error. It, Exactly. Like, yeah. And also, you know, I, I, my kids love crepes, for example, right? This is also another thing that goes really well in a lunchbox, a cold crepe. And you can also put some uh, smoked salmon in there and some arugula, almost like a wrap, you know? So there, there's also some stuff you can work around that. All oh, this kind of oh, stuff yeah. goes that really nicely on a savory pancake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Min is frantically writing. I feel like this is a weird question to ask someone yeah. who brings an induction burner everywhere. But if you could pack yourself any brown bag lunch, what would you do? Mm-hmm. Oh, what would I do to pack myself some lunch? That's a really, really good question because, you know, my lunch is usually I drink so much coffee in the morning with a lot of milk <laughs> that I don't really that I don't really do this type of lunch. I really I'm happy with a beautiful granola and some um, lovely berries and some yogurt. And then that's, that's basically my lunch because I'm surrounded all the time by food and I taste a lot. So it's really, really hard to say, but I do like picnics and I love beautiful cheese and really nice bread and some different, like a truffle honey with a little sea salt and some thyme in there, you know, and sit somewhere nice and, and eat that. That makes me really happy. And a beautiful salami, for example, or some parma ham. That's my type of lunch. You know, I don't eat hot food for lunch necessarily, or like a quiche, for example, that that can be eaten at room temperature too. That's a great lunch too. Quiche. 
Quiche is a good one. I'm so hungry right now. I feel like I'm, I, I've, I've become, the older I get, the more kind of boring I get, right? I, for me, lunch has yeah. become like this, okay, I just need something to give me energy. I don't need anything fancy or anything like that. So the yeah. easiest thing for me to make is like a salad, throw some chicken in there, and then, you know, yeah. like some sunflower seeds and, you know, maybe a, a red totally. pepper or something. And it's just kind of like, yeah, that's fuel and that's it. Come on, man. Get inspired. Yeah. Now it's time. Yeah, it Make sounds it crazy. Like hey, I, you know, I have a good idea for you. Pancakes. I'm opening a restaurant very close to you very soon at the art gallery. And yeah. you just oh, wow. walk over there and we eat together. I feed you my type of lunch and then we go Sold. from there. We inspired. don't even have to pack yeah. lunch anymore. Yeah. No, you don't have to. I want that, I want that savory over. pancake with hoisin sauce. That, that sounds great. Oh, yeah. It's one Set of my favorite things to do. <laughs> Absolutely. One of the stories of the summer has been the heat and the smoke, really just climate change. And with this month's publishing of a report from the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change that basically said things are very bad, it's fair to declare it a story of the summer. But as a city, Edmonton declared its own climate emergency nearly two years ago. So what's been done since? Well, CBC's Tandy Wickenguavi dug into this. Hey, Tandy. Hey, Claire. So I'm, first off, I want to ask, how has this summer, and especially a lot of the climate change news we've gotten, how is, does it make you feel? You know what's interesting? I've never really been kind of like the anxious type. Um, but then when you start kind of like looking into what the science is saying, it does become a little unnerving. <laughs> especially <laughs> you see all of these things happening, like not just here in the city, um, but, you know, around the world, like I go to Namibia and parts of my, my family there are really into um, cattle like we have here as well. Right. But then you find people having to move from place to place to place because they're running out of places for the cows to find uh, water. You see these things happening and you don't really realize like how quickly everything is happening. And <laughs> then you start to wonder, like, are we doing enough? Is Are we doing anything or are we still making it worse? So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so before we completely start spiraling, it kind of leads into this question that you had then of are we doing enough? What are we actually doing? So uh, looking back a couple of years ago, what was the significance of the city stepping up and declaring our own climate emergency? Well, actually, Claire, it it does depend on who you ask. At the time, you know, the environment in Edmonton was very much, I mean, it was kind of like the same in other parts of the world. You had Greta Thunberg riling up all of these young people, doing climate strikes. It was very much front and center, this whole climate change thing, the urgency of it. And Edmonton, no offense, you wouldn't really think of it, you know, as a place where, you know, we're really progressive on climate It's not the change. first thing you think about when you think about the city. Exactly. Especially, you know, activists, you know, Greta Thunberg herself wasn't welcomed here. So you just wouldn't really see this place as a leader in climate. But it really looked like the city was taking it seriously. You saw, you know, thousands of young people marching from City Hall. And then you saw at City Hall, they were really saying yeah, this is serious. This is an emergency. And then it was actually Councillor Aaron Paquette who uh, called for this 
motion to declare a climate emergency. And not everyone was on board. <laughs> you know, there were some counselors that were saying, why are we fear mongering? This is just pandering or this is just optics. So there were th there was that side. But there was also the other side where, you know, people are giving them the benefit of the doubt saying, maybe you know, the city is actually taking this seriously. Maybe the city will actually do something because of this. Well, it's interesting, right? Because on the same time that they made the climate emergency declaration, they actually also passed another motion too, right? Yeah. So there was this even larger motion that kind of gave real, you know, meaning to this emergency, give it real weight, I guess. And it actually had recommendations to administration that the city wanted them to look seriously into this. How can we get on board with the, the global efforts to to limit global warm, warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius? You know, the path that we have right now, the strategy that we have right now, isn't going to get us there fast enough. So, so 2019, you know, this declaration passes. We see this other motion pass. Has anything actually happened since? Yes, actually, a lot has happened. And, um, you know, we had solar um, incentive programs for businesses, for houses. We had the green bin rollout plans. Um, we had the LRT expansion already going on. But a lot of things, especially considering that, you know, there was a pandemic, <laughs> the city actually did manage to stay on track. You know, they did the city's energy transition strategy and action plan that was just approved in April this year. And that is actually what a lot of people here in the city, a lot of climate activists, that's what actually gave them the most hope, that action plan, because it actually includes all of the pathways, you know, that are needed to help the city reach its goals. Part of it, it has a new sustainability policy for its buildings. So this summer they'd pass this policy that will make all of the city's buildings carbon neutral by 2040. And they've started that work. And then the energy incentive programs for homeowners and businesses to finance retrofits and solar energy, they renewed those things. The bike lanes are expanded. The new green cart rollout happened. And then the thing that was really interesting to me is that they've had this progress with inclusion. Because I always ask, you know, who's not being involved in this? Is everybody able to participate in these programs? And I talked to uh, Yasmin Abraham. She's a co-founder of Empower Me. It's an organization that designs energy efficiency and education programs for members of marginalized communities. And she said groups like immigrants and newcomers have a history of not being included or taking advantage of the climate saving programs out there. The climate industry and the energy industry is not unique in the way that um, these underprioritized groups are not included in programming and certainly have a history of um, not being included and not taking advantage of a lot of the programs that are out there. We have seen that across Canada. Um, unfortunately, under-prioritized under and underrepresented groups are um, most adversely affected by the effects of climate change. And unfortunately, they're unable to take advantage of a lot of the programs that are available out there for everyone. Only a certain demographic was really able to take advantage of the programs. You know, if you don't speak English or you don't read English very well, if you're not comfortable online, 
if you're not comfortable picking up the phone and calling your utility provider, you don't know what a rebate is, you don't know what programs are, you know, you real there's a lot of barriers to access these. So that's another kind of exciting thing that the city has done since declaring the climate emergency. These people haven't been left behind. Yasmin's company, Empower Me, has worked with over 500 immigrants in the Edmonton area to help them take advantage of this programming, to help them learn about, you know, how to read their energy bills, how to save energy um, where they live now. So it's like the city is really trying to get everybody involved. And really, we can't meet any of our targets or any of our goals in terms of climate change or limiting global warming without really involving everyone. So it's really cool to see the city including inclusion, obviously, as a part of our sustainability. But how much of all this stuff was in place before the climate emergency was declared? Was any of this actually a result of the declaration itself? Well, you know what? I don't know that the city was trying to engage, you know, marginalized communities um, like the work that they started with Empower Me. That only started after the declaration was made in 2019. Other things, Barbara Daly, the city's senior project manager with environmental strategies, she said programs like the solar rebate were in existence before the declaration. But when it came to renew funding for these programs, um, because they were really popular, there was a lot of uptake. The message from council with the declaration was all systems go. So there wasn't any, sorry, we're out of money, but you know, we need to make sure that we keep funding these programs and keep allowing um, for the demand. The community energy transition strategy and action plan I was talking about, that was actually adopted in 2015, and it would have been re- updated regularly, but Council's declaration of a climate emergency moved up the timeline for updating the strategy. Uh- I mean, it's funny because we started this conversation talking about, are we doing enough? Is enough happening? So based on everything that you learned when you looked into this, is the city doing enough? Are we going far enough, fast enough? It might be too early to tell, Claire. Um, Administration will start annual reporting on the implementation of the plan. But that first update isn't expected until pretty much the second quarter of next year. But the checks and balances, like the city's new carbon accounting initiative. Edmonton is one of the first cities that is actually going to start doing carbon budgeting, which will provide, you know, the financial cost of carbon emissions and also will the limits the city has for emissions to stay on track with its goals. That is definitely going to help to make monitoring the progress easier. But like I said, we're probably not going to have any update on the carbon budgeting until uh, next year, probably the second quarter of next year. But that's going to be key, especially as the city aims to grow its population, trying to get up to 2 million people, I think, in the next 10 years. So it's definitely going to be important to keep track of how is that added population going to impact our carbon emissions, right? It's a lot of bodies. (laughs) Exactly, yeah. Shafris Kaba is co-chair of the city's Energy Transition Climate Resilience Committee, and he has anxiety about whether the city is doing enough. Here's Shafris. We haven't gotten the first carbon budget yet, so it is a little too soon, but but we know we haven't done enough, (laughs) to be honest. Every single... Uh, sector in our um, in our city has to frankly do a heck of a lot more in order to mitigate um, significant 
climate impacts. So I also spoke with climate expert Megan Harris-Nye. She's with the multinational professional services company, Ernst & Young. And she said the end of the climate emergency, if it does end, will likely not be in the near future. And we'll probably see even more cities around the world following the lead of declaring climate emergencies. And so the reality is things could get worse before they get better. It could be, you know, even 2030 or after until we see Edmonton maybe looking at lifting the climate emergency. So the anxiety continues. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) The Loop is a weekly podcast from CBC Edmonton. And our team is Min Dariwal, Leslie Goldstone, Corey Haberstock, Christina Silva, and James Evans. Our theme music is Change Your Mind by Edmonton musician John Common. And I'm Claire Bonnyman. Thank you so much for listening. You can always mm-hmm. check out The Loop on Fridays. Come in and join us. And of course, leave us a rating or a review. Let us know how you're doing. You can do that wherever you get the show. Yeah. Or you can uh, get in touch with us uh, via email. Everybody has uh, that at their fingertips. <laughs> the Loop at cbc.ca. I'm on Twitter at Min Dariwal. And so is Claire. But her handle is a little more complicated. It's not that complicated. It's at Knob. It's my last name backwards. You can find me there. Or, of course, follow my CBC Yeg. Um, you can always find more loop stuff there. Rolls right off your tongue. <laughs> and, of course, if you want to listen to the show, follow us on the CBC Listen app or your favorite podcasting app. Do it. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.